Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, Every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you as in the second segment. We are going to be joined by one of our good friends, Jake Asman. He does a great job out there in Houston, Texas. He is the host of ESPN 97.5's show, The Wheelhouse, one of three hosts over there on that great show. You're able to catch that every single weekday if you're out there in the great state of Texas. We're going to be talking about the Astros. We're going to be talking about the American League picture in general in terms of the postseason, some of the series that he's watching out for for this week as well. So we're going to have that chat in the second segment and then in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways to be able to fire those in, first one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters ZM. Naming does not matter. As per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way, it is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you like here on this podcast via that five star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Monday. Let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Milwaukee Brewers get the job done against the Colorado Rockies by a count of 6-4 of as Adrian Duncombe Doogie Elzer gives up three runs, one of which was earned over the course of five innings. Colt Wong earned him with an error as all three runs wanted coming in the first inning. From there, Brad Boxberger, Matt Bush both deliver a scoreless inning, and then Taylor Rogers and Devin Williams combine for two scoreless. Victor Carantini goes yard for home run number nine of the season off of Justin Lawrence, who gives up two runs in two-thirds of an inning as Ryan Feltner, it's not been going great for him. Five and a third innings, giving up four runs. Jake Bird, two scoreless, and Alex Calme, a scoreless inning, but not a lot doing for the Colorado Rockies on offense in this one. 
DK Nation pick of the over in terms of the Yankees versus Twins game falls just short, 5-2 the final as the New York Yankees do wind up having Aaron Judge go yard again. I think that has put his stamp on the MVP at this point, 54th home run of the season. That's off of Trevor McGill, and then Emilio Pagan does what he does best, giving up bombs. Isaiah Canera-Falefa, he gets home run number two of the season, and then starter Chris Archer gives one up to Marwan Gonzalez. His fourth of the season for Archer gives up two runs over the course of five innings. McGill gives up the home run to... Uh, Aaron Judge for Trevor McGill, two-run surrender in an inning. Emilio Pagan, he gives up one run in one and a third innings before Austin Davis, a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And Gary Sanchez hit like a 475-foot home run, 14th of the season off of Jameis Tatayan. But that's all the offense that the Twins would get as Jameis Tatayan was at home run. Two runs a total over the course of five innings. From there, Wani Peralta, one and two-thirds innings scoreless. Greg Elizert, four outs out of the bullpen, scoreless. And Clay Holmes, not really any sort of trepidation here. A clean scoreless inning from him. The Washington Nationals, for the fifth straight time, win an Anibal Sanchez start. 6-0 to zero the final. Anibal Sanchez, five scoreless innings. He's about 788 years old, but delivered a great start here. Hunter RVA scoreless inning, and then Mason Thompson out of the bullpen. Three scoreless as the Washington Nationals win, despite the fact that they leave 14 men on base. As Keep Adouise, he winds getting home run number seven of the season after Jack Flaherty. Not a bad start here. Gives up one run over the course of five innings. The home run that winds coming off of James Nele, who wound up giving up a one run over the course of two innings. He did wind up having Chris Stratton be able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Zach Thompson, a scoreless saying The real albatross here, Andre Pellanti. Four runs surrendered in a third of an inning as the Cardinals, who have been very good on offense, 0 of 3 with men in scoring position. So not a lot doing there as the Cardinals have scored a combined two runs in their last two games after they had scored 16 in their previous two games. And the Cardinals, they had been very hot with the bat prior to that as they had scored four plus runs and I believe something like seven out of their previous eight games before this recent two-game slide, which we've been finding quite a bit from them. The Blue Jays, they dominate the Baltimore Orioles. They wind up taking a pair from them as game number one goes the Blue Jays' way by a count of 7-3. to three. Kevin Gosman wins a relatively solid start, giving up two runs over the course of six and two-thirds innings for Baltimore. They did wind up getting a home run off of them by Anthony Santander, 26th home run season. Santander then winds up going deep off of Tim Meza for home run number 27 of the season as Meza gives up one run and two-thirds of an inning, but Zach Papa scoreless inning, and of Simber, he goes two-thirds of an inning scoreless, but for Toronto, Teoscar Hernandez, he takes Brian Baker deep for his 20th home run of the season, as Mike Bauman gets a start. Could have been better, could have been worse. Three runs surrendered over the course of five innings. Joey Crebiel, four outside the bullpen scoreless. Brian Baker gets up that home run in one and a third innings. It was a solo shot. D.L. Hall, three runs given up in a third of an inning, and then Brent Solzer was able to land a scoreless inning, and then in game two, 8-4. It was the Blue Jays who got the job done as for the Blue Jays. Boba Shed, not one, not two, but three home runs. Home runs number 19, 20, and 21 of the season as Nick Vespi allows one of them and Bruce Zimmerman with two ends allows two of them in a strange situation. If you try betting on this double dip, Jordan Lyles was supposed to go in game one. He was then put to game two and then literally seconds before game two, Keegan Aiken winds up getting the start. So, if you wanted trying to bet this doubleheader, good luck to you because I wound up having some bets avoided. This was just a calamity as Keegan Aiken gives up two runs in two and a third innings. Nick Vespi gives up one of those home runs and is two-thirds of an inning, and then Bruce Zimmerman, pretty much as a pseudo-bulk guy, gives up five runs over the course of six innings just to round out the card. You had Rude Andador get a home run in this one off of Jose Barrios, the starter, 12th home run season, and Adelaide Rushman. He gets home run number 10 off of Julian Merriweather. Merriweather, he winds giving up a run in an inning. Trevor Richards, David Phelps, both deliver a scoreless setting in 
Jose Barrios, another good road start. He gives up two runs over the course of six innings, and for Mr. Barrios, he has now given up two runs or fewer in each out of his last three road starts. Big for the Blue Jays. This was relatively big as well, as we wound up seeing the Chicago White Sox get the job done against the Seattle Mariners. 3-2 the finalists for the Southsiders. Elvis Andrews and A.J. Pollock both get home runs number 11 of the season. Both come off of Marco Gonzalez, who lost three runs over the course of seven innings, including those two home runs. Pat Murphy, Chris Flexen both landed scoreless sending in for Seattle. They had that four-and-a-half-hour rain delay the day before against the Cleveland Guardians. They clearly came out a little bit tired going to a seventh men in squaring position. And Lance Lynn, seven innings, goes one unearned, gives up one unearned run, 11 punch-outs, two runs or fewer surrendered by him. In each out of his last five starts, Kendall Graveman, Liam Hendricks, they come in for the eighth and ninth inning. Hendricks allows a run in his inning, but they both get the job done. And the White Sox, 5-1 and one without Tony La Russa. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. He might have been a little bit of an issue. The Houston Astros, they play a very low-scoring game, and they get the job done by a count of 1-0. to zero. Tough luck loss for Martin Perez. Gives up one run in seven innings. Jose Leclerc has scored this inning, but, I mean, his buddies just could not wind up helping him out as it was the MLB debut of Hunter Brown, and it was a very good debut. We'll talk a little bit more about Houston on the other side with Jake Hasman, but six scoreless innings, and then Brian Abreu, Hector Neres, Rafael Montero. They all give three scoreless innings, did not allow as much of a hit in those three innings as well. The curse of Sunday Night Baseball continues. I'm not going to be able to give you a final with regards to the LA Dodgers game, but the Arizona Diamondbacks in the debut of a guy in Ryan Nelson, who I felt like should not wind up getting the call to the big leagues. They get it done by kind of 5-0. to zero. It's Ryan Nelson. <laughs> Looked like Sandy Koufax out there. Seven scoreless innings, seven punch-outs. Kevin Ginkle along with Caleb Smith. Both led a scoreless inning for Arizona. You wind up having Stone Garrett get home run number three of the season off of Stephen Wilson as Blake Snell. I mean, a good start. He doesn't deserve the loss here. Ten punch-outs, one run surrendered in six innings. He did his part. And then Josh Hader, he lowered his ERA with the San Diego Padres by giving up one run in his inning. Nick Martinez, he allows two runs in an inning. And Stephen Wilson, he winds up giving up that home run in his inning of work. And by the way, the Josh Hader ERA with him with the San Diego Padres lowered to 17.55. You know that when you've got a year that is after the Mayflower wound up arriving to the United States as your ERA, that's not necessarily too tremendous. The Tampa Bay Rays, they wind up taking down the Boston Red Sox by kind of 4-3 to three as for the Red Sox, very nice early start. They wound up getting three runs in the first three innings and then it fizzled. Alex Verdugo, he winds up getting a home run off of Luis Patino, ninth home run season for Patino. He was able to hold down the fork, giving up three runs over the course of five innings and then bullpen does their job from there. Pete Fairbanks, Colin Pooch, Jalen Beeks, Kelvin Fotcher, I'll give you a scoreless inning in. For the Rays, no home runs, but they go 3 of 13 with men in scoring position as Michael Waka gives up two runs over the course of six innings, but Drisic Familia, Spanish for blown save, gives up two runs in a third of an inning. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise, as you wind up then getting five outs out of the bullpen from Zach Kelly. Who could have seen that coming? As I am doing this, the Cleveland Guardians, they are currently in the lead against the Kansas City Royals. As you know, the Great Peterson Experience now starts at midnight Eastern time, 3 a.m. Pacific. So I have to do this more on 7 o'clock p.m. Pacific, 10 Eastern with regards to the recap. So we're moved up a little bit more. And if you do want to see a little bit of something different here in the first segment, because I do have to move it up at GNRSquarty1 on Twitter, send in those comments and what have you, but Josh Naylor he has got a home run in this game, number 17 of the season as Brady Singer has allowed four runs, three of which were earned in this start over the course of six innings as Tris McKenzie as I do this, he is rolling along and the Tigers and Angels and the Giants versus Dodgers games 
Those are both getting started. I just really don't have anything for you. But with the loss that we wound up seeing from the San Diego Padres, teams that have played on Sunday Night Baseball, and then they wind up playing on Monday. As it stands right now, 7-18, and 18, and the Dodgers, based on how they wind up doing on Monday, are going to look to improve slash disimprove that. But if you're taking a look at Major League Baseball right now, what we've been seeing over the last few weeks... It has been a heavy dose of unders as 197 unders to 176 overs over the past 30 days in Major League Baseball. That is 52.8% to the under in the Science Fan Favorites. They've hit 62.7%. It almost feels like favorites of north of minus 250 have hit at a worse rate. It's been really the big favorites have not come through. The home favorites, they've been very good. 147 at 81 straight up. That is 64.5%. Meanwhile, those home favorites, among the 147 of them, 36, have failed to be able to cover the run line. Now, a few of those are due to games that they wind up getting washed out, things of that nature, but certainly something to take note of. And overall for the season, home favorites, they're doing a very solid job, 757 and 491 straight up, so 60.7% overall. But once again, these home favorites having a tough time being able to cover the run line as we have now seen 238 fail to cover the run line. That is just absolutely ridiculous. And we've seen 984 unders to 950 overs thus far this season. That is right around 51.8% to the under. So that's what we're seeing in baseball right now. That's what we wound up getting on Monday. Now let's turn the page forward to Tuesday and let's just take a look at the Oakland A's in general with our good friend Jake Asman over there with ESPN 97.5 in Houston. That chat is up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. 
You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. I love you, Las Vegas, for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always great to be joined by this guy. Says Jake Asman is doing tremendous work over there in the great city of Houston. He does the show, The Wheelhouse. You're able to catch at 3 to 7 p.m. Central Time if you're out there in Houston for ESPN 97.5. You're out here on the West Coast. That'll be 1 to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. You also host the show, The Jacob Asman Show, which you're able to catch on YouTube and to be able to catch Jake on Twitter at Jake Asman, first and last same all together, nice, clean, and easy. And Jake, great to have you aboard. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate you having me. Congrats to you on the Daily Show with Vison. Can't wait to listen every day. I do appreciate you, my friend, and I am so excited for you too because I know that you guys just wound up celebrating one year with your show, The Wheelhouse, too. So that's absolutely tremendous. What else is absolutely tremendous is just seeing what we're all getting with the Houston Astros as. Right now, they just look like that clear-cut number one team in the American League. Yankees have no doubt been having some ups and downs. You can tell the talent that is there, certainly for Aaron Judge. But how do you take a look at the American League right now? Because I think that we both be in agreement that the Houston Art is still that clear-cut number one team. But I think everything else past that is going to be rather jumbled. And whoever might wind up finding, whoever might wind up playing the Houston Astros in the playoffs. That, I think, is a big mystery because I take a look at the rest of the American League and it feels relatively evenly matched. Totally agree. Uh, I really think the Astros have separated themselves from the pack at this point. You know, really for them, it's just a question of can they get healthy and get their guys back ready for the playoffs? Justin Verlander, Ryan Presley, to name a few. You know, obviously, they're going to be relying a lot on those guys. Jordan Alvarez is banged up. Can he come back and get his power that's really been zapped the last month and change. He's been dealing with some hand issues. They still have some issues, but compared to some of the other teams in the American League, I feel better about the Astros than pretty much any team in the league right now. Yep, I totally agree with you. Now, if we wind up finding something like an Astros versus Dodgers World Series, I think that that's interesting. And I do think that when it comes to nationally, who might wind up representing there, I think that that's the bigger question mark at this point because I mean, could we see the Astros wind up losing a seven-game series? Absolutely. It's baseball. We wind up seeing wacky things happening. But I just take a look at the gap between the top teams in the National League, and it feels like it's much smaller than the gap between the Astros and the Yankees and all the other teams out there in the American League because even though the Dodgers have that top record, as we know, they've got a guy by the name of Craig Kimbrell that late in games you really can't trust in. They don't necessarily have the world's greatest track record. And since the beginning of the month of June, I think you're able to make the argument that the Atlanta Braves have been performing pretty much as well as anyone aside from maybe the Dodgers in the entire league. Greg, you look at the National League. Who's going to win the National League East, right? You know, the New York Mets have been in first place all year, but here come the defending champs. They've closed within a game. You know, this is a really good Mets team. Do they have enough to hold off the Braves? And think about the depth of that league where, you know, the Mets, one of the best records, or the Braves is one of the best records, could be playing in that wild card round. So, you know, you look at the American League, I think it's the Astros and everybody else right now. In the National League, you have the Dodgers, you have the Mets, you have the Braves, the Padres still have a lot of talent. The Cardinals have played great baseball in the second half, so it's way more wide open compared to the American League. Totally agree with you because you mentioned it with that National League East. 
It is wide open as we record this right now. It's a one-game differential between the Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets. And, I mean, the Mets aren't losing this lead because they're playing terribly. They wind up losing those two games against Washington Nationals. Absolutely cannot wind up happening. But, I mean, really fast that two-game slip-up. This has been a New York Mets team that all season long, they've been able to do a good job. This is just speaking to how well the Atlanta Braves have been playing. And going into the postseason, that's right now team number one that I absolutely do not want to play, especially with the way that Spencer Strider has been able to shore up that rotation. Totally agree. They have that pedigree that championship teams accumulate when they go on deep playoff runs. And that's what Atlanta did last year. It's going to be fascinating. You know, this Mets team has played great most of the year. And they're still playing really well relative to the you know the rest of Major League Baseball. But it seems like Atlanta doesn't lose. And that truly has been the story of the second half. The Braves have just been red hot for so long. Totally agree with you, as we do have Jake Asman. Does a great job over there at ESPN 97.5. He is joining me on the podcast. And then speaking a little bit more about the Houston Astros, because we've got a little bit of a lay of the land there in terms of just everything in baseball. Right now, I think if there is one big concern with the Astros, it is the fact that Justin Verlander, he winds up leaving his last start early. We did wind up having to see the young rookie and Hunter Brown wind up having to get his first start on Monday. Is there any sort of a timetable for Justin Verlander's return or right now things a little bit more precautionary? Because when he wound up going out of his last start, it did wind up looking like there was a little bit of discomfort, but it certainly didn't look like anything that would be keeping him out for overly long or something to be concerned about really when it comes to the duration of the postseason as long as it winds up getting taken care of right now. Yeah, the expectation for Verlander is that it's probably not going to be, you know, after the 15 days are up, he's slotted back in the rotation. Astros general manager James Click all but said that in a radio interview on Sunday, but it's not looking like it's going to be much more after the fact. So the Astros will get Verlander back, and that's truly all that matters when it comes to their team. Yep, no question about it. I do think that that's going to be massive. And the good news for the Houston Astros is, even if they are without Justin Verlander for a little bit longer, this has been an incredibly impressive bullpen. And I do take a look at this Astros bunch, and I think that that's the difference that we've seen from them in past years. Because if you take a look at offensive production, it is a little bit down this season. They still have guys that are bashing 20-plus home runs, like Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve, no doubt Jordan Alvarez, even with his little bit of a slow second half of the season. But what have you really noticed from this bullpen this season? Because, I mean, it's a new-look bunch, and all these guys that are coming in, I feel like there really isn't an untrustworthy arm in that pen. Totally agree. You know, the bullpen has been tremendous for them. And and obviously, you know, they've done a really good job the last couple of years kind of doing it with different guys. You know, it all does start with Ryan Presley, their closer, who's had a really good season. Uh, he's currently on the injured list with a neck injury, but they expect to get him back uh, relatively soon. You know, so it starts with him. And then you look at the other guys, whether it's Ryan Stanek, who's had an all-star level season, you know, uh, Bill Maton, you know, Rafael Montero. These guys have all stepped up and they've been excellent. Hector Neris has pitched really well. So they got a lot of guys out there, man. And you know, you know this better than anyone, Greg. If you're going to win a championship, you need not just good starting pitching, but you need excellent relievers as well. Yep, and going into what we wound up seeing on Monday, the Houston Astros had allowed 438 runs this season. In terms of the American League, that is 33 runs fewer than every other team in the American League. So that's pretty darn impressive. I believe the only team in all of baseball with fewer runs allowed, that would be the LA Dodgers. And we know what sort of a season the LA Dodgers have been having. And that leads to a little bit more of a question as well, because I mentioned the Justin Verlander injury. Do you think that there might be a circumstance where the Astros might wind up resting a few guys towards the final half of the season? I'm not talking like 
every single starter winds up sitting out like the final two weeks of the season or anything like that. But do you think that there's going to be a little bit more of a concerted effort for someone that might be a little bit older, like Jose Altuve, winding up getting a few extra days off? We know that Jordan Alvarez, he's been dealing with a few ailments here in the second half of the season. Do you think that there's going to be a little bit more of a concerted effort moving forward to give these guys a little bit of a breather just because they do have a rather substantial lead out there in both the American League as a whole along with their division? I do, Greg, absolutely. You know, the Astros really aren't playing for much down the stretch here. They have the division wrapped up. They got a 10-game lead. The Yankees falling apart in the second half has really helped them uh, get a commanding lead for the best record in the American League. So – but the Astros should be smart. They should rest guys, make sure no one is, is overworked down the stretch because this team needs to win another championship. Yeah, having the best record is nice, but they've been there, done that too many times during this run. They need to win a title. The only championship they have is tanking in the eyes of everyone outside of Houston. So they really could use another championship, and everything they do down the stretch should reflect their goal of trying to do that. No question. Joining me on the podcast, we do have Jake Aspen. He does a great job over there at ESPN 97.5 in the great city of Houston. And you mentioned with the New York Yankees, they wind up being able to get a win on Monday on Labor Day. Offense was able to come to the forefront. And, well, if Aaron Judge does not wind up winning the MVP, that will come as a surprise to myself. But what have you been seeing out of the Yankees post-All-Star break? Because this is a team that after the All-Star break, they've been in the bottom five record-wise in the American League. It has been relatively grody. And, and if you take a look at the pitching, it's actually been good. The New York Yankees, I believe, have allowed four runs or fewer in nine out of their last ten games. The pitching has not been the issue. To my surprise, it's really been this Yankees team not being able to put bat to ball. And I do think that that it is an issue because balls that were flying out in June and July when you wind up getting into the northeast part of the country, as you know very well growing up in that portion of the country, those balls wind up dying at the warning track in October. And I do think that it is very key that someone other than Aaron Judge help out this offense. And they're not hitting, you know, other than Judge, who better win the MVP, because if he doesn't, it's a crime against humanity. I don't want to hear about Otani. Oh, he pitches. Cool. He's not the most valuable player when his team is 30 games under 500, and they haven't played a meaningful game since May. So don't even get me started with the Otani discourse. Aaron Judge should be the unanimous MVP. Without him, I don't know if the Yankees make the playoffs. That's how valuable Aaron Judge has been to this team. In the second half, they don't win unless he hit. The numbers are just insane. Doing it in a contract year, doing it with the home run record, chasing Roger Maris, it's been incredible. They need someone besides him, though. You're right. John Carlos Stanton off the injured list. He hasn't hit. He's really struggled in the second half. Anthony Rizzo's hurt. Andrew Benatendi is now hurt. Josh Donaldson and Glaber Torres really haven't hit all year. They just need more offense. And, you know, other than Aaron Judd, I don't know where the Yankees are getting it from. Yeah, when Anthony Rizzo's been healthy, he's been able to give the team a little bit of support. But with Anthony Rizzo dealing with a few ailments as well, that has been a little bit of an issue as well. And, I mean, to your point, it's no poo-pooing Shoei Otani. He's having a very nice season. I mean, he's had 30 home runs and 10 wins in a season. I believe that he's the first player to do that since Babe Ruth, if ever. So, I mean, it's not a slight against Shoei Otani. But to your point, when... You're right now sitting here with a record in which you're winning fewer than 40% of your games since the beginning of the month of June. That's a little bit of an issue. So I totally agree with you there in terms of Aaron Judge and being able to win the MVP and just taking a look forward at this week in general. Are there any series that you're really going to be keeping your eye on that might might wind up having postseason implications? Because as we know, the Yankees and the Astros, the main two teams that we've talked about here in this conversation, they should be in the postseason at no doubt with the Yankees and the Twins, it's going to be a very meaningful series for the Twins if we wind up seeing 
a little bit of something interesting with the Texas Rangers, let me know because, uh, well, they're as good as done with regards to postseason. But is there maybe a series or two that you've really got your eye on? I'm looking at the Yankees race series at the end of this week, right? Because they just met in Tampa. The Rays were able to take two out of three. Came very close to even sweeping the Yankees, which would have brought the division lead down to just three in the loss column, which would have just been insane. And all the pressure would have, you know, really mounted on the Yankees who have just gagged away almost a 15-and-a-half game lead against Tampa. So, you know, because the Yankees won that last game, there's definitely a sigh of relief, I'm sure, amongst Yankee fans. But they do meet for three games at Yankee Stadium towards the end of this week. And I think that's going to be a big series for, you know, playoff implications for the Rays. And obviously, you know, for the Yankees to trying to lock down the American League East. I'm in total agreement with you. I do think that that is going to be a massive series. And as strange as it sounds, if the Red Sox can take a few of these games, they're not completely dead for the postseason. It would take a really, really big Herculean run. But I mean, we've seen the Colorado Rockies win like 17 out of 18 games to be able to make the postseason. This is a Red Sox team that they still have talent. They get back Trevor Story. So I would say not dead is the probably the most polite way of putting it for the Red Sox. But hey, you know what? Lloyd Christmas Siri, you're saying there's a chance. And you know what? Whenever I get the chance to get you on, Jake, it's always one that I must take. You do a tremendous job. Over there with the wheels, ESPN 97.5, every afternoon, Monday through Friday. You guys over there do a tremendous job with that. And I know you've got a couple other irons in the fire as well, so let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you've got going on in general. I appreciate it, Greg. Yeah, with the radio show here in Houston, Monday through Friday on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 FM. And uh, you can find me on Social media, Instagram, and Twitter. It's just my name, at Jake Asman, A-S-M-A-N. And Jake doing an absolutely incredible job of being able to cover not just the Houston sports scene, but everything that we're getting nationwide and always delivers the goods on this podcast. A big thanks to Jake for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. 
The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to get Jake Asman on the podcast. He does amazing work taking a look at a little bit of everything out there in the Houston sports scene. Things are getting hot and heavy in terms of the Houston Astros. He does an amazing job being able to take a look at the game of baseball. And every time he joins this podcast, always delivers great insights. So a big thanks to Jake for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it. So it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore D1. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. These are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, let's go to a game that I wound up evaluating yesterday. 901-902 on the betting board. The New York Mets are on the road facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mitch Keller is going to be going for the Pirates, and Taiwan Walker is going to be going on the bump for the Mets. The Mets still right around about a minus 205 to a minus 215 favorite. And between plus 185 and plus 195 is your price on Pittsburgh. 8 to 8 and a half is your total on the 8 and a half. Under is minus 120. The over is even on the 8. The over is minus 120. And the under is even when this was taken off the board. We were mostly seeing 8 and a halfs on this total. And if we do wind up getting an 8 and a half, I would be taking a look at the under. I would rather have an 8 and a half under rather than an 8 over personally. But that said, I did want to say my total at 8.1. So in between these two numbers. And for the Mets, I'm going to lay up to a minus 132 with the run line as we're seeing it right now. Holding relatively steady when this was taken off the board, you were finding them right around a minus 125 to a minus 130. They've been relisted anywhere between a minus 125 to a minus 130. Just not really much of a change of handicap from yesterday. So if you want to be here in this breakdown yesterday, you can just fast forward and move on to the next because with Mitch Keller, he's still doing a relatively solid job, giving up three runs or fewer in terms of earned runs and four out of his last five starts. He's been actually a little bit worse at home rather than on the road 41 home year. Compared to a 409 road ERA, and he's been giving up right around seven home runs of 58 innings at home, so still doing a relatively solid job. But 3.3 walks per nine innings, Sidewall Walker. He's got a career low in terms of strikeouts per nine rate, but he's given up three runs or fewer, and now each out of his last four starts. And overall, 11 out of his last 12. Sidewall Walker has been very consistent. He's been probably a little bit lucky in terms of keeping the ball in the yard. 0.7 home runs per nine innings, but a 329 ERA on the road. What I will say is that sometimes you do wind up getting some funky results when a pitcher is supposed to go, and then they wind up getting pushed back a day. But I think that with the Pittsburgh Pirates, that's just really going to nullify things because this is a Pirates offense that's just not too great, to say the least. Brian Reynolds, he's been able to do 250. He's been able to do a solid job being up honed out, 21 home runs. Got a pair of guys in Jack Swiznyski, along with Michael Chavis with 14 home runs. And then, if I say you really don't have a lot of power when it comes to this team, and then you've got... 
Guys like Belaya Madres, Oniel Cruz, Cal Mitchell, Tyler Heineman. You're able to go down the line of guys and get 220 or lower. The Mets, they still have a lot of power in the lineup. Pete Alonso led the league in home runs on the road last season. He's been able to pound out north of 30. He's got over 100 RBI and then got a lot of guys moving the line along with Alonso. As you've got Mark Canna, Brandon Nimmo, Francisco Lindor, all in between about a 264 to 274. Jeff McDeal, he's been aiding above a 320 and for the Mets. Fully rested bullpen. Seth Lugo post all-star break has been able to give you a sub-250 ERA. Adam Adovino, Tommy Hunter, both of these guys have been trustworthy, posting up a sub-25 ERA apiece. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, really other than J.C. Young, who's got a sub-2 ERA, has been a tremendous long reliever for the Seaman. Will Crow has been okay, right around about a 3-4 ERA. A lot of guys that you can't trust, like Manny Benuelos, Juan Ramirez, Robert Stevenson, all these guys. They've been registering relatively bad ERAs other than Benuelos, but still don't necessarily have a lot of faith in him. Gave this one a little bit more brief because we wanted him doing this game yesterday, but looking at an 8.5 under, if at all possible, if we wind up getting all 8s, I would be taking a look at an over in that spot, but one lay up to a minus 132 in terms of the Mets on the run line as we're going to get a double dip for this series on the board for Wednesday. 9.03, 9.04 on the betting board. We've got the Miami Marlins sitting the road face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Supernola is going to be going for the Phils, and Ace Lizardo is on the bump for Miami. The Fish are a relatively sizable underdog, anywhere between plus 185 and plus 195 is your number, and between minus 210 and minus 215 is the price on the Phils. 7 is the total, the under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125, the over is anywhere between even and plus 105. Was willing to go up to a minus 235 on the money line with the Phillies. For the run line, I'm willing to lay up to a minus 115. Most spots, I'm finding this at even money. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. For Aaron Nola, it's been a little bit of an opposite year for him. Always he has been better at home rather than on the road. Prior to this season, he had posted up a home ERA for his career. Right around .8 points better than on the road. But you take a look at him this season and he's got an ERA that hovers right around about a 4 at home. And it's touching right around about a 2-3 on the road, which I find to be very intriguing. And for Aaron Nola, his walks per 9 rate is one of the best marks that you're going to find in all baseball. Right around like 1.2 walks per 9 innings. He has been incredible on that front, giving up a little bit less at home run per 9 innings. And for Aislin Cesardo, he's a guy with electrifying stuff that's able to get a lot of swings and misses and half strikeouts per 9 innings. He's given up just 5 home runs this season. Deserves much better than his 3-6 and six record as he's posted up just a 3.44 ERA, 2.54 ERA on the road compared to a 4.78 home ERA. That makes no sense considering Miami is so pitcher-friendly, but opponents are just a buck 29 off of him on the road. You gotta think that there's gonna be a little bit of regression there, but I've been saying for a long time, well, I mean, the Miami Marlins are bound to put up a few runs, and they have now scored three runs or fewer in 30 out of their last 33 games, and they have scored two runs or fewer in each other last night. I mean, this is just a poop scene for baseball right now, what they've been doing. They don't have a single healthy player that's not on the injury list with more than seven home runs. It's September, people. I mean, this is just sad. When Garrett Cooper has been out there because he's been banged up, he, along with Joey Wendell, are both hitting about a 250, and that's really the best thing about this offense right now is you've got guys like Gerard Encarnacion, J.J. Belady, Peyton Budrick, Luan Diaz, all these guys hitting a 220 or lower. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, I mean, it's up for them to be able to hit the over because you've got Kyle Schwarber who's been able to pound out north of 35 home runs this season. The batting average is on SU been the world's greatest, but take a look at the way that some of these guys have been performing post-All-Star break. It has been tremendous. J.T. Reed, 
Muto has legitimately been the best hitting catcher in the second half of the season thus far as he's been hitting well above a 315 ever since the all-star break. You've got Bryce Harper ever since he's come back. He's been hitting right around 325. He's not really had any home runs since he's come back, but he's been able to do a solid job moving the line. Nick Cassianos has been hitting a 300 post all-star break as well. All these guys are starting to be able to put it together. Reese Hoskins, he's been able to do a nice job. He's pounding out 26 home runs for the Phillies bullpen. They should be able to shut down this Miami Marlins offense that has just not been good in general. You've got Brian Hand along David Robertson who have been solid. Sir Anthony Dominguez is currently on the injured list and it looks like Corey Knable's done for the year, but he's has been able to do a solid job. And for the Marlins, it's not like the bullpen has been terrible. Stephen Okert, he's been posting up a sub-3 ERA. Dylan Flora has been able to do a solid job along with Richard Blyer. Both of these guys have been able to give you a sub-4 ERA, been able to give you some good innings. And guys like Andrew Nardi have not necessarily been too terrific, but I think that Aces Cesardo is going to be able to give you a relatively solid start. Problem is, the Miami Marlins just aren't going to score from. You could wind up seeing the Philadelphia Phillies put up three runs and easily be able to cover the run line. Semi-total is 6.4. I'm looking at the under in this spot. I just can't trust in the Miami Marlins being able to get a W here. I think that with Philadelphia Phillies, they've got enough firepower to be able to get to four, so I'm going to be looking at the run line of the Philadelphia Phillies. 9-5, to 9-6 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati. They're under the road facing up against the Chicago Cubs as Wade Miley is going to be going for the Cubs and Justin Dunn going to look to get her done for the Reds. The Reds are finding themselves as an underdog as the number is anywhere between plus 140 and plus 148. Meanwhile, anywhere between minus 155 and minus 165 is your price on the Cubbies. There is no total up on this game because it is a Wrigley Field game, which means that this is going to be dictated by a win. I'm going to be taking a look to see what the run line is going to be because this is right in the middle of what I wanted, making the money line. I was willing to lay up to a minus 154 with the Cubs, so we shall see if it winds up getting into more like a cushy minus 140 to minus 150 range because this did wind up opening up at minus 145. I'd be willing to take a shot there and you don't wind up having run line prices until you wind up having a total. Looks like the wind is going to be blowing in in this game. So I did wind up saying my total at an 8.2 eight or less. I'm going to be taking a look at the over in eight and a half or higher. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. But for Wade Miley, you take a look at the way that he wanted rehabbing. Looked very solid. Was not getting any strikeouts in terms of his rehab. In his few starts that he's made this season at the big league level, has not given up a home run in 19 innings. The eight walks in 19 innings is a little bit of a worry spot. He looks solid in his rehab appearances, but this is once again going to be his first time on a big league mound since June 10th. So if you got your issues on that front end, you know he's not going to strike out people. He is a very much pitcher contact guy, so he's probably pitching on a picture perfect day. Meanwhile, for Justin Dunn, he's got his walks issues. As overall for his career, he's given up right around five walks per nine innings. He's given up overall 10 walks in 23 and a third innings this season, but the team is actually 3-1 in his last four starts. He's been able to do just enough to be able to get the job done. He has given up a grand total of four runs over the course of his last three starts. Hasn't necessarily lent a lot of length going in combined 15 innings, but has been able to do just enough to be able to help this team out. He has been giving up the deep ball a little bit as he has given up a grand total now of six home runs over the course of his last four starts, but when it comes to the Cincinnati Reds team, they do an okay job of being able to move the line and put back to ball. Kyle Farmer has been able to 260 for the team. Donovan Solano hitting well above the three. They don't necessarily have a lot of home run power, but Jonathan India, whenever he's been out there, has been able to hit right around a 265. He's able to go deep for you a little bit. Jake Fraley has been able to do a solid job along TJ Friedel. So, I mean, these guys have been solid. And for the Chicago Cubs, they're dealing with a few elements of their own as Patrick Wisdom, along with Wilson Contreras, have been missing quite a bit of time. 
for this team. You do wind up having someone, Nico Horner, is able to move the line, hitting right around about a 280. Ian Happ, he's been in the neighborhood about a 270 is on base percentage. He's been right around about a 350 this season. Rafael Ortega has been a little bit of a buster Rooney. Christopher Morrell along with C.A. Suzuki. These are guys in between about a 245 to 260 along with Nick Madrigal. And for the Cubs, bullpen has been starting to regress a little bit. Brandon Hughes has been solved with a sub-3 ERA, but Eric Uelman has had his issues. Rowan Wick has had an up-and-down season all year long. For Wick, it's been better post-All-Star break, but he is starting to regress now as well, so you do have your issues there. And for the Reds, this is just the dead last team in terms of bullpen ERA. Ian Gabo has been a little bit better, and Alexis Yes, he's been able to post up a sub-2 ERA, but guys like Revier, Sam Martin, Hunter Strickland, Tony Santian, you're able to just go down the line of guys that have been failures in this bullpen all season long, and it's pretty rampant. So I do about it saying my total at an 8.2 despite the fact that the win is blowing in in the spot and with the Cubs I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 154 on the money line need at least a plus 135 to take a look at them on the run line so what winds up happening in terms of run lines and money line movement overnight is going to dictate my play just because it is a game in which it's a little bit harder to handicap when you don't wind up having the total because Wrigley Field win winds up deciding all that so we're going to see what the run line is if I were to guess I'll probably be on some sort of a Cubs run line slash money line here but that's a little bit TBD based on Overnight line movement, 907-908 on the betting board. This is the St. Louis Cardinals playing us to the Washington Nationals. Paulo Espino is going to be going for the Nets, and Jose Quintana is going to be on the bump for St. Louis. St. Louis, anywhere between a minus 240 to a minus 250 favorite. Anywhere between plus 210 and plus 215 is your number on a Washington. A to C total. Under is anywhere between even money and minus 115. The over is between minus 105 and minus 120 with the Cardinals. I did wind up saying them as a pretty substantial favorite of minus 242. If you're taking a look at their run line, between about a minus 115 to a minus 120, I was willing to go up to more around a minus 130 with this number. So I'm going to be taking a look at the St. Louis Cardinals on the run line. Jose Quitana has really been impressing me. Not necessarily a supreme amount of swing you miss with right around eight strikeouts per nine innings, but has just been able to do a great job in the home ballparks of both this one and back when he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates, he was able to do a great job of being able to shut it down there as between both ballparks, a 250 ERA this season with five home runs, give it up in 79 and a third innings. This is really a ballpark in St. Louis that suits him very well. And when it comes to Jose Quintana, really, other than when he winds up going to Coors Field, this guy has been able to do a pretty rock-solid job when it comes to his time here with the St. Louis Cardinals. Did wind up giving not necessarily the world's greatest length in his last start against the Cincinnati Reds, but once again, a little bit more of a hitter-friendly ballpark, and he's going up against a guy in Paulo Espino that, as a starter, he's got right around a 5-5 ERA. His ERA was more around 2 when he was coming out of the bullpen. Hasn't been as bad recently. He's given up just three home runs in 25 and a third innings in his last five starts, and that's a big key with him. Paulo Espino has just given up the deep ball, 1.7 home runs per nine innings. He gives up fewer than two walks per nine innings. I guess for nine rate is right around a seven. You'd like to see it a little bit better, but I mean, it's not terrible, but you did take a look at this Washington Nationals team, and they've won three straight games as at least a plus 220 underdog in every one of them. Now, I don't think that this is going to necessarily hold up. Billy Irma Vargas has been able to do a solid job at a 275 this season. I got a fair amount of guys in between about a 245 to a 255. Keeper Ruiz, Cesar Hernandez, Lane Thomas. These guys have been great. Joey Manessas. How about this guy being a very good find? 30-year-old journeyman, hitting a 340 with a few bombs. That has been terrific, but 
with the St. Louis Cardinals. You've got Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. They wound up getting shut out yesterday. These are a pair of guys with north of 60 home runs. Arenado is hitting a 300. Goldschmidt, 415 on base. You've had Brendan Donovan hitting right around about a 350 at home. Albert Pools, Pulse also break, is hitting nearly a 400. He's on that chase for 700 home runs. Tommy Edmond is one of the best base dealers in the National League with right around 265 average. So you've got a lot of firepower when it comes to the St. Louis Cardinals team. I will say this for the Washington Nationals. Bullpen is not necessarily terrible. They did wind up having to use up on RV yesterday, but you've had Erasmo Ramirez along with Kyle Finnegan provide a sub-3-5 ERA. Carl Woods Jr., they've picked him up off the scrap heap. You want to be avoiding Jake McGee at all costs. This is a guy that is very untrustworthy, but when it comes to St. Louis Cardinals, they've been dealing with Pecky Naughton, Genesis Cabrera being out of the fold for the team, so that does wind up hurting them in terms of a little bit of length. Andre Pallanti, he's really that main guy that's able to do so. Ryan Elsley has been able to do a rock-solid job all season long, posting up a sub-2-5 ERA, but they did wind up having to dive into that bullpen quite a bit yesterday, so that was a little bit of an issue, but I do think that the Cardinals should be able to bounce back. I think that Kitana has just a massive pitching advantage over a guy in Paulo Espino that I don't think is going to be able to lend a lot of length. I do think that he's going to get taken deep. I do wind up saying Matola here at an 8.2, so at the 8, looking at Nover and looking at the Cardinals on the run line. 909-910 on the betting board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers in the road faceoff against the Colorado Rockies. Chad Cool, speed Mr. Cool for the Roxanne. You got Brandon Woodruff on the bump for the Brewers. The Brewers. Sizable favorites anywhere between minus 175 and minus 180. Between plus 155 and plus 165 is your number. On Colorado, 11 is the total. Under is minus 120 and the over is even. I did wind up saying my total at a 10.6. I'm going to be willing to dive on the under of 11 with Brandon Woodruff. He has been absolutely incredible since coming off the injured list, giving up three runs or fewer. In all of his starts prior to his last start against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And for Woodruff, he does have some pretty big home and road splits. 467 road ERA, 222 home ERA. But his ERA on the road has been sub 3-3 ever since he has come off the injury list. So I do think that that is an important moniker with Woodruff. He's given up right around about 1.2 home runs per nine innings. But the strikeout numbers, those are there. He's getting over 10 strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine rate has been in the neighborhood about two and a half. He's going up against Guy and Chad Cool, which, well... He has not been Mr. Cool for the team, giving up at least three runs in every one of his starts ever since the All-Star break. And as a matter of fact, last time that he wound up giving up fewer than three runs in a start, it was against the LA Dodgers where he wound up pulling that amazing complete game shutout against them. How? Why? I have no idea in the beginning about the Judas. He has given up at least three runs. And now, I believe 11 out of his last 12 starts, with that being the lone outlier, which is a very hilarious outlier. But you don't have ever seen that. They wind up getting quite a bit of confidence. They were down 3-0 to yesterday. They wind up being able to come back as they've got one of the best deep ball games out there in baseball. They rank in the top five in terms of home runs per game as you've got a trio of guys with at least 23 home runs. Roddy Tellas, Willie Adamas, Hunter Renfro. Big problem has been moving the line for the team, but you do have some relative balance in terms of being able to get on base as Andrew McCutcheon, Colton Wong, Kesson Hira, Jace Peterson, Christian Yelich, Mike Barrasso, along with Renfro. All these guys hitting between about a 245 to 263. And then for the Colorado Rockies, this team does a significantly better job of being able to hit at home rather than on the road. For CJ Crum, for instance, he's got 26 home runs this season, 19 of them have on coming at home. They get right around 1.15 home runs per game at home, 0.65 home runs per game. On the road, their average winds up going up by about 45 points as well. Randall Gritchick, prime example of this. 
he has been able to do a tremendous job of being able to hit at home, hitting at 327. That goes to a 208 on the road. So you got a whole bunch of guys like that. And the Rockies, their bullpen is a little bit better at home rather than on the road as well. Daniel Bard has been relatively locked down. Carlos Estevez has been very impressive for the team as well. He did wind up having an appearance where he did wind up giving up a few runs a few days ago. But I mean, by and large, post all-star break, he's got a sub-250 ERA as well. Nelson Lamette is a guy that I think has some upside in them for the Milwaukee Brewers. Devin Williams has been able to do an incredible job for the team, but he did wind up getting used up yesterday, so you do want to note that. Brian Boxberger did as well, so probably going to be looking at Hobie Milner coming out of the bullpen. He has been struggling post-All-Star break, but still a guy that I think is going to be able to do a solid job moving forward as he's been posting up right around about a 4 ERA Brent Suter. Has been able to tame things down as well as Peter Strzelski. Strzelski has been able to give you right around about a 3 ERA. He's been a nice find for the team and for Brent Suter. Buck 88 ERA over the last 30 days. So I do think that the Brewers, they do provide a little bit of value in this spot because I did wind up needing at least a plus 178 to be able to take a nibble here on the Colorado Rockies. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Milwaukee Brewers, they're going to force you to lay right around about a minus 115 in the spot. I am comfortable laying a minus 115. I'm willing to go up to a minus 118. So here at a minus 115, willing to lay the Brewers on the run line. So my total at a 10.6. So looking at the 11 under as well. As we go 9-11-9-12 on the betting board, it is the Arizona Diamondbacks. They throw it face off against the Slam Diego Padres as Joe Musgrove is going to be on the bump for the pods. And Merrill Kelly is going to be going for the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are finding themselves as a relatively sizable underdog in this spot as you're going to be getting them anywhere between about a plus 140 to a plus 145. Same straight plus 148 out there as well. Anywhere between minus 155 and minus 165. Your number on San Diego. 7 is the total over is minus 120 and the under is even. Do you mind saying my total is 6.8? I'm going to be willing to dive under in this spot and when it comes to the run line of the San Diego Padres, you're able to get a relatively good plus price on that. I'm right now seeing that in the mid-140s and I need at least a plus 135 to take a shot there. I needed at least a plus 155, by the way, to be able to take the Arizona Diamondbacks with a plus price. So I'm going to be willing to ride with the San Diego Padres. I know that it's been a very, shall we say, touch and go with the San Diego Padres ever since the trade deadline. They've actually got a losing record ever since the trade deadline, but I do think that these parts are going to be able to meld together as you've got Manny Machado along with Juan Soto, a pair of guys that have been able to hit 22-plus home runs this season. They are currently without Brandon Drury after he wanted getting hit in the head. Do have a lot of guys that they're able to move the line, and it's been really interesting to take a look at the Padres' home and road splits as this is a bunch that, I mean, with playing in Petco, it's just a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark in general, but they rank fourth worst in terms of runs per game in the National League. I do think that that's going to shape up a little bit because you do have Soto, Long Jerickson, Profar, Austin Supernola, Jake Cronenworth, in between about a 242-250, and Austin Kim, he's been well above a 250 recently, and post-all-star break, north of a 275. They're going up against a Diamondbacks bunch, of which they do wind up getting right around 1.3 home runs per game on the road, compared to 0.95 home runs per game at home, with Christian Walker being able to supply over 30 home runs, and got guys all of a sudden that are moving the line for the team. Jake McCarthy is hitting at 290. Stone Garrett has been hitting right around a 400. Very small sample size. That's not going to last, but Josh Ross has been able to do a solid job. Alec Thomas Along Keitel Marte. Marte has been out of the full last few days, but these guys are hitting a 250 as well. The trepidation that you've got with the Zeros and the Diamondbacks, Simo. The bullpen is not good. You've had Joe Mantiply be able to supply a sub-3 ERA. Ian Kennedy has been solid. And you do wind up getting back Kyle Nelson, but if you saw Kyle Nelson pitch in that series against the Milwaukee Brewers, he wound up allowing three walks, and he wound up being able to give one and a third innings 
in two appearances. That was not necessarily too terrific. And you've got guys like a Mark Melanson, Kevin Ginkle, Caleb Smith, guys posting up north of a 4-5 ERA. And for the Padres, they've got their own albatross. His name is Josh Hader, and he has been absolutely terrible for the team. But about Crisman, he's able to give you multiple innings. He's posting up a sub-3 ERA. I've been pleasantly surprised by Robert Suarez. He, Nick Martinez, these guys have been relatively solid with right around about a 3-2 ERA. So I do think that that is going to be helpful for the team. And both of these pitchers have been able to do a supreme job. And for Merrill Kelly, he always wound up having some relatively big home and road splits. This year, he's actually been a little bit better on the road rather than at home. Probably been a little bit lucky with giving up just 10 home runs over the course of 164 and two-thirds innings with the way that it's a little bit more of a pitcher contact guy. He's been able to get right around about 7.7, 7.8 strikeouts per nine innings, but he's given up just four home runs in 72 and a third innings on the road with opponents hitting a buck 98 off of him. And then for Joe Musgrove, we have seen a little bit of regression out of him as ERA has now touched three, but at home, this winds up going down to 275. Gives up right around 1.1, 1.2 home runs. Per nine innings at home. Fewer than two walks per nine. Opponents have been inning just a 2-11 off of them in San Diego. I think that you've got yourself a prime pitcher's duel in this spot. And being able to get north of a plus 135 on the Padres, I'm going to ride with them as I set them minus 157 on the money line. I'm going to be taking a look at the under of seven and going to be taking a look at that Padres run line. As we go 9-13, 9-14 on the board, it is the LA Dodgers. They are going to be playing us to the San Francisco Giants. Tyler Anderson is going to be going for the Dodgers. And through the grapevine, I'm hearing that Taiwanese prospect, Wei Shei Hong. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly, and I apologize to Mr. Hong if I'm not. He is going to be getting the start for the San Francisco Giants. This is a game that is presently off the board, and while I do love to see a good story, I think that our good friend, the rookie for the Giants, is going to be relatively rough for him. And actually, if you take a look at Wei Shei Hong, he wanted making his MLB debut a few seasons ago while he's with the Texas Rangers organization. And he has been in the minors. He comes over from the country of Taiwan. He's been a guy that has been trying to develop for the last few seasons. He wanted going back overseas the last few seasons. He has resurfaced now this year. But you take a look at him at the minor league level. Good stuff. 11.5 strikeouts per nine innings. The reason why his ERA is right around a four is because he winds up giving up four walks per nine innings. Not a guy that's necessarily going to be providing a lot of length as well as for only about half the season he has been utilized as a starter. So this is pretty much going to be an opener plus, I think, is the best way of putting it for the Giants. I think you're going to get more than two innings out of our good friend, Mr. Hung, but I would say don't be expecting five-plus innings out of him in this spot. And for the Giants, their bullpen has been atrocious all season long. You do have a trio of guys that I do like in Charlin Garcia, Camilo Duvall, John Brebbia. These guys have been relatively solid. And I will say this, Alex Young has actually been able to resurface as a good prospect in this bullpen. Right around a 250 ERA. Someone who's a former starter. Currently not throwing starters innings, but he's been able to do a solid job with that regard. But when you wind up getting into guys like Tyler Rogers, the company, it's been relatively brutal. Meanwhile, the LA Dodgers, they got the top bullpen ERA in the National League. And it's really been unsung heroes for this team. Caleb Ferguson, Evan Phillips, Alex Vasilla, these guys are posting up a sub-3 ERA. Craig Kimbrell is right now the biggest problem that this team has on the team. But Justin Brule is back up with the big league team. He's been able to do a solid job. And for the Dodgers, you've got one of the most fearsome lineups that you're going to find in all of baseball. With Mookie Betts leading off with over 33 home runs this season, taking a 280. Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, both of these guys hit above a 300. And then these two gentlemen, Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger, Joey Gallo, all these guys, 15 plus home runs this season. So got a lot of power with that regard. You do have a couple guys like Bellinger, Austin Barnes. They do need to do a little bit of better job 
in terms of the average, but you've got plenty of guys like Trey Thompson being able to pick it up. And for the San Francisco Giants, just want a little bit of an interesting blend as Jock Peterson, Evan Longoria, Luis Gonzalez. These are guys sitting between about a 252, 265. And really, other than Jock Peterson, who's got 20 plus home runs this season at Warmer Flores with 17, you don't necessarily have a lot of power, but this team has been above average in terms of runs per game generated. I think that it's going to be a relatively tough game for our good friend, Mr. Ong, though, as I do think that Tyler Anderson, he's going to be able to go out and he's going to be able to deliver what he's been able to do all season long. Not a guy that has been really getting a lot of strikeouts with right around seven punch outs per nine innings, but it's just done a great job of being able to limit the walks. He's given up right around 1.7 and 1.8 walks per nine innings, 220 home area, and at home he posts up right around 1.4 walks for nine innings with opponents saying at 203 off of them. So do you mind if saying my total at an 8.8, eight and a half or less looking at an over nine or higher to the under as I do think both these teams are going to be able to generate some runs, but what I'm really looking at for the Dodgers is a run line. They've won all but 12 of their games by multiple runs and they've got 92 wins. So made the Dodgers minus 136 on the run line and minus 246 on the money line. 915, 916 on the bank board. The Boston Red Sox at the red face off against the Tampa Bay Rays as Drew Rasmussen is going to be going for the Rays and you've got Rich Hill. He's going to be on the bump for the Red Sox. And the Red Sox, they are finding themselves underdogs between plus 135 and plus 142. Anywhere between minus 150 and minus 155. Your number on the Rays with 7 being the total. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 105. And I do mind saying my total at a 7.7. I'm going to be taking a nibble on the over because the Red Sox, they've got the worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues post-All-Star break. They want him DFAing Austin Davis, which helps out a little bit. But Eduardo Bazardo, Matt Barnes, you're able to throw in there. Ryan Brazier, Jersich Familia. These are guys they are giving you north of a 5 ERA. And that's not helpful for a guy in Rich Hill that he wound up having a start of seven scoreless innings about two weeks ago. But I still have my trepidations with him as for Rich Hill, he is the oldest active starting pitcher in the big leagues, posting up overall for the season a 452 ERA. And you can tell that at his advanced age, the swing and miss stuff, it is gone as he's been getting right around 7.3 strikeouts per nine innings this season. He's been able to limit the walks to 2.8 walks per nine innings and has actually been better on the road. 588 home ERA compared to a 344 ERA on the road. So a little bit of credit where credit is due there. And in two starts against the Rays, 11 scoreless innings. I don't think that that is going to be withholding. This is a Rays bunch that when they wound up facing them in previous times, they were a little bit depleted. Now they wind up getting back Manuel Margot, who's sitting nearly a 300. Harold Ramirez has been hitting in the pocket about a 325. So that really helps the SEMA. They don't necessarily have a lot of power in general. It's Isaac Paredes, Randy Orozarena. They're the only two guys that will be able to deliver a double-digit amount of homers for the team. And for Paredes, he, Taylor Walsh, just don't necessarily have a great batting average in general. But you do have the Andy Diaz, who's been able to provide nearly a 400 base. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, the team has been supreme with her bullpen. They get back J.G. Chargua along with Pete Fairbanks. Both of these guys supplying a sub-3 ERA ever since they've come back. Brooks Rayleigh, Colin Pouche. There you've got a sub-3 ERA, Jason Adam. He's been able to do a tremendous job as well. And for the Boston Red Sox, you do have a lineup that they certainly do supply the goods as you've got Trevor Story back in the fold. He, along with Tommy Pham, have been able to provide right around 15 to 16 home runs a piece this season. You have Alex Verdugo along with Christian Arroyo. Both of these guys hitting north of a 280 for J.D. Martinez. Has been very touch and go from post-all-star break. He has not been himself, but it's still hitting right around 275 
25 home runs for the season. Sander Bogarts, he's hitting above a three iron. Then Rafi Devers, 25 home runs. They need a little bit more firepower outside of them, but he's been able to do a solid job. But they're going to be going up against this guy, Andrew Rasmussen, who has been really on his game recently. This is a man that has given up five earned runs over the course of his last five starts. He wound up having that very near no-hit bid against the Baltimore Orioles as well. Team has really been rolling in his last five starts, winning all five of them. And as, as a matter of fact, eight and one in his last nine starts. So he has really been able to lead this team to victory. Not a guy that's going to go out there and he's going to get a whole bunch of strikeouts. As he gets right around eight strikeouts per nine innings, but 0.8 home runs per nine innings. The command has been relatively solid with him, as well as he has been really been able to reduce the walks recently as well. Just two walks given up over the course of his last five starts overall for the season in the neighborhood about 2.1 walks per nine innings as well. So I do think that the Tampa Bay Rays, they've got a significant leg up. I do think that the bullpen of the Red Sox is going to be an issue if you want to take a look at this total under as well. So Dubai, I'm saying my total is 7.7. Willing to take a look at the over with the Rays. Set the minus 173 on my money line. I was willing to take the run line if it was plus 120 or greater. Seeing at a plus 145. That's just, as they always like to say in the movies, an offer that I cannot refuse. I'm willing to go a little bit more risky here because I do think that the Red Sox bullpen, they wind up lending a lot of opportunities for the Rays to be able to win this game by multiple runs. So, look at run line and the over. 917-918. This is going to be the DK Nation pick as the Toronto Blue Jays hit the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles as Kyle Bradish is going to be going for the Orioles and Mitch White is on the bump for Toronto. Toronto, anywhere between a minus 105 to a minus 115. Very slight favorite. Anywhere between even money and minus 105 is your number on Baltimore. 8.5 is the total. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between minus 115 and even money. And DK and pick is going to be on the Toronto Blue Jays. I do mind saying them as a favorite here of minus 132. I just cannot buy into Kyle Bradish. He is the one guy for this Baltimore Orioles team that I am just very bearish on. And for the Orioles, it was not great what wound up happening yesterday. They wound up having Jordan Lyles not be able to start the game, so they had to have Bruce Zimmerman throw six innings pretty much of relief yesterday. So that's not necessarily too terrific. Both of these bullpens, they are a little bit more burnt out as to having a double dip yesterday. So that is something that does need to be factored in as Keegan Aiken and Joey Krebiel, they wound up having to throw some pretty substantial innings yesterday. And this is a Toronto Blue Jays team that all of a sudden, they have been able to fire on all cylinders. We all knew that the offense was there with the team, Lourdes Gurriel, all day under Kirk. Both of these guys sitting in the neighborhood about a 290. But you just take a look at the balance of power that you've got with this team. Flagger Jr., Matt Chapman, now Boba Shed after he exploded yesterday. Teos Hernandez, George Springer, all at least 19 home runs this season. And all these guys, aside from Chapman, are leading at least a 267. All these guys have at least a 315 on base. That is very, very hard to go up against. And then from there, you've got guys like Romeo Tapia and company that are able to move the line. So this is a Blue Jays lineup that they're firing on all cylinders. And I will say, for the Baltimore Orioles, Credit where credit is due. Nobody thought that they'd be hanging in the race this long, and I still think that even if they lose this game, they still have a shot to be able to make a wild card because they've got themselves a very balanced lineup. As Anthony Santander has been the main home run hitter for the team with 27 home runs, as he, Cedric Mullins, Austin Desai's kid, Adley Rushman, Ryan Mountcastle, Ramon Urias, lying between about a 246 
262 with Mullins along with Ori Mateo. These guys have a combined 59 stolen bases. They do the little things for the team. Mateo has really been able to pick it up post all-star break as well. And for the Orioles, you still have out there guys like Felix Batista, Dylan Tate, along with CNL Perez, who have been able to do a tremendous job in the bullpen. But this is a Toronto Blue Jays team that as well. They've been able to do a tremendous job of being able to utilize their bullpen as well as Tim Mays is back in the full. Zach Pop, Adam Simber able to throw in there. Jordan Romano has been the closer for this team. Yimmy Garcia. These are guys that are posting up a 325 ERA or better. And I do think that Mitch White is going to be able to turn a little bit of better start here than Kyle Bradish. Bradish. 517 ERA. Now, I will say Kyle Bradish has been better recently than what he wanted showing towards the beginning of the season. As a matter of fact, 15 scoreless innings in his last two starts, but Prior to that, it was relatively rough for him. He had given up three-plus runs in each out of his previous three starts. Two of them winding up coming against the Toronto Blue Jays, and he just has not played well against the Toronto Blue Jays in general. He has made three starts against them since the beginning of the month of June, and in those three starts, he has wound up going a combined 14 and a third innings and given up 11 runs. So it has not necessarily been terrific. Now, I will say the team wound up going 2-1 and one in those three starts, but still, he has not had great success against them. And then you do take a look at Mitch White, a very mid pitcher. He's got right around about a 460 ERA thus far this season. He's giving up less than a home run per nine innings. If you take a look at the advanced numbers, he's probably been a little bit unlucky this season. It's actually been a tad bit better on the road rather than at home as well. 454 road ERA, 476 home ERA. He's had a couple cataclysmically bad starts recently, especially the one that he wound up having against the LA Angels, against the Angels and the Chicago Cubs. His last two starts to combine 13 runs surrendered in nine and two-thirds innings. I certainly do think that he's going to be better in this circumstance because in his two road starts since being acquired by the Blue Jays, you wound up having him go up against the Yankees and the Minnesota Twins combining two-thirds innings, giving up four runs. I do think that he's going to be able to do a solid job holding down the fort for this team. So I'm going to be riding with the Toronto Blue Jays with my DK and H pick. Wanda making them more of a minus 132 favorite in this spot. I do think that both of these starters do wind up giving up some runs. Semi-total on a 9.2. So looking over in the DK and H pick on the Jays as we go 919, 920 on the board. It is the Minnesota Twins and the red face off against the New York Yankees. Garrett Cole. He goes for the Yankees and Joe Ryan is on the bump for Minnesota. 7 is the total. Under is ending between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is ending between even a minus 105 between minus 190 and minus $2. Your price on the Yankees between plus 170 and plus 180 is your number on Minnesota. And with Minnesota, need at least a plus 186 to be able to take a shot on them. But if you are taking a look at the run line, I was willing to go up to a minus 102 with the New York Yankees. Right now, you're finding that at between a plus 115 to a plus 120. It just feels like good value on a Yankees team. I think that they're going to be able to bust out with their offense. And they're still, for the season at home, averaging right around 1.7 home runs per game. They're averaging five runs per game at home, and they're facing off against a Minnesota Twins team that they just have not been able to produce runs whatsoever on the road. In nine out of their last ten road games, three runs are fewer, so they've been coming up St. guys, and for Joe Ryan, he has been certainly giving up the deep ball this season, especially on the road. 313 home ERA compared to a road ERA of a 505. He's overall for the season giving up 1.5 home runs per nine innings, actually closer to 1.6, and on the road, this winds up going to 1.95. Is that really giving up a lot of walks? Right around 2.7 walks per nine innings. Gets a good amount of swing and miss, but for Garrett Cole, he's been able to do his best work at home. 315 home ERA, 343 ERA on the road. Now, he himself needs to work on the deep ball a little bit. He's been giving up in the neighborhood about 1.3 home runs per nine innings as well. The walks have not been an issue for him, right around 2.2, 2.3 walks per nine innings. That opponent's are a 209 off of him. He's been 
been in a little bit of, shall we say, more unstable recent form, but I did think that the last few starts, they were able to get him going as he's now given up two earned runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts after he had a rough go of it against Seattle and for the Yankees. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of offense for this team, but you got a guy by the name of Aaron Judge, and he's probably going to wind up being able to hit more than 62 home runs this season. He's got 54 bombs right now, hitting a 300. Now, the downturn of DJ LeMayu, it's not necessarily been his fault. He's been playing a little bit injured. As a result, he, Jose Trevino, along with Andrew Benintendi, says he's been with the Yankees. Not overall for the season, but Yankees only. Along with Isaiah Canerfalofa. These are guys that, in a Yankees uniform, in between a 254 to a 265. You got Glaber Torres, who's been able to give you 18 home runs. He's been solid, but you really need a little bit more out of guys like Aaron X, Josh Johnson, John Carlos Stanton, Marwin Gonzalez when he's been out there. These guys in between about a 205 to a 220. Yankees bullpen has been supremo. This is a bunch that they have given up four runs or fewer in pretty much all but one out of their last 10 games as Juani Peralta, Lou Trevino in a Yankees uniform once again, Clay Holmes, Lucas Lutke, Ron Mananakio, they're all posting up a sub-3 ERA, so they've been lights out with that regard. And for the Minnesota Twins, it's been a little bit hot and cold with the bullpen. Yohan Duran has been one of the best bullpen pieces in baseball. Leads the big leagues in terms of relievers throwing 100-plus miles per hour, 100-plus mile per hour pitches in general at a 182 ERA, so he's been terrific. Ore Lopez, sub-2 ERA, Michael Fulmer has been solid. Emilio Pagan, someone that you really don't want to have a lot of faith in, but I do think that the Yankees, they're going to be able to get to Joe Ryan in this spot. They're going to be able to take him deep, and I do think that the Yankees should not necessarily be overly demonstrative on the money line, because I think that this is a game in which they wind up being able to either win it by multiple runs, or they just lose it outright. So, I did wind up being in the money line, minus 186, but the run line minus 103, so going to be taking the plus price on the Yankees on the run line. Set my total at an 8.4, so looking over as well as we go 921-922 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals play the Cleveland Guardians. Shane Bieber is going to be going for the Guardians, and Chris with the K. Bubich. He is on the bump for Kansas City. 7.5 is the total. Under is any between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is any between minus 105 and even with the Guardians. Any between minus 178 and minus 190 is your number. Between plus 160 and plus 168 is the price on Kansas City. And I did wind up saying the Royals as an underdog of a plus 177. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Cleveland Guardians, you're going to be fine that anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110 was willing to go up to a minus 113. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Guardians run line for Shane Bieber. I feel like people were gassing him off a little bit too early this season as his strikeout numbers are not quite what they were when he wanted winning the Cy Young. He's getting right around 9.2, 9.3 strikeouts for nine innings, but he's been a great road pitcher this year. 334 home ERA, 288 ERA on the road. He's been giving up less than a home run per nine innings on the road. It's actually been a little bit better at home, but I mean, overall, he's been giving up right around 0.85 home runs per nine innings. His walks, that has been very good as well. Right around about two walks per nine innings this season. And for Chris with the K. Bubich, most of his struggles have wanted coming at home. He's got a 598 home ERA compared to a 496 road ERA. At home, he has already had two starts this season in which he has failed to complete the first inning as opponents are hitting right around 297 off of him in Kansas City. He's backed up by a lineup that has been strange to say the least with the Kansas City Royals. I wish I could put it any other way, but I mean, you've got a lot of guys that they're hitting right around at 225 or lower like Nick Prado, Kyle Isabel. You've got out there MJ Melendez along with Drew Walters. 
These are guys that have just not panned out to this point, though. You do have Michael A. Taylor along with Mike Bassey hitting in the neighborhood about 272, 275. Bobby Wood Jr., Salvador Perez between 18 and 20 home runs between these two gentlemen and Perez. He's been very solid recently, but for the Guardians, everyone gets on base for the team. Josh Naylor along with Andres Jimenez. They got 15 home runs apiece. Naylor is hitting a 260. And then Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Stephen Kwan, Yeri Bothron, their Oscar Gonzalez. All these guys, and at least at 275 for the team with Ramirez. 26 plus bombs, over 100 RBI. And this bullpen has been able to do a tremendous job. It's Trevor Steven, Nick Sandlin. They're posting up sub three ERAs for a closer and Emmanuel Class A, who's been lights out. Aniel De Los Santos has been able to give you very solid innings. Eli Morgan has seen a little bit of regression, but you've been able to have James Karinchek be a tremendous eighth inning option. And for the Royals, they are dead last in the American League in terms of bullpen ERA. Jose Cuas has seen some regression. Amir Garrett is posting up a five ERA. They've got Taylor Clark currently on the injured list. That leads Dylan Coleman and Scott Barlow as really your only two trustworthy relief options, which puts them in a little bit of a bind when you have to look to Colin Snyder and his 6 ERA. So, I do think that this should be Guardian's domination in this spot. I'm willing to lay the minus 105 to minus 110 on the run line. I think that Chris with the K. Boobich gives up enough runs to be able to push this total over. Set my total at 7.8. Looking over and looking Guardian's run line. 9.23, 9.24 on the board. It is the Houston Astros playing OC Texas Rangers. Glenn Otto is going to be on the bump for the Rangers and Framber Valdez is on the bump for Houston. Houston, any between a minus 255 to a minus 265 favorite. Plus 225 to plus 230. Your price on Texas. 7.5 to 8 is your total on the 7.5. Overs minus 115. The unders minus 105. On the 8. Unders any between minus 122 and minus 125. Overs between plus 105 and even. Do you mind making my total a 7.7? I have only access to 8s right now. The 7.5 that I'm seeing is at DraftKings. And, well, I am out here in Las Vegas and DraftKings is not so... I would be taking a look at an 8-under, but when it comes to this number, I needed at least a plus 236 to take a shot on the Rangers. So we take a look at the run line because I was willing to go up to a minus 125 with the Astros. And right now that's at a minus 120. It's still within my range. When it comes to Houston Astros, Framber Valdez has been just absolutely mowing them down. We were talking about this pitching staff with our good friend Jake Asman, and the way that Valdez has been able to pitch has been nothing short of just spectacular. His strikeout numbers have been rising over the second half of the season when he wound up having that big performance against the LA Angels about two months ago. That was really able to ignite him as during the month of August, his strikeouts per nine rate up to right around an eight and a half after they were right around seven and a half first three or so months of the season. He's actually been worse at home rather than on the road. 327 home ERA compared to a 224 road ERA, but a nine home run surrendered in 164 innings. Walks can sometimes be an issue with him, but he's been able to tame those down as well. And for Glenn Otto, he's been better recently, giving up three runs or fewer. And now four of his last five starts, walks are still an issue as he's given up 12 walks over the course of his last four starts. Strikeout numbers, not necessarily where they were at the minor league level, but he's been significantly better on the road than he has been at home. 370 road ERA, 610 home ERA, and on the road he gives up right around one home run per nine innings. At home, it winds up going to more like one and a half home runs per nine innings, and opponents are about a 40 points lower off of him when he is on the road, but with the Texas Rangers, they just don't pack him up with a very good bullpen, and that's what is a difference maker for the Houston Astros, as right now you've got Matt Moore along with Brock Burke posting up a sub-250 ERA for the Texas Rangers bunch. They pick up Asus Sinoco to try to help them out, but I mean, Dennis Santana is north of a 5 ERA. He has been a nightmare for this team. John King has been highly unreliable. AJ Alexi is not the answer for this team. And then for the Houston Astros, Rafael Montero, Ryan Stanek. These are guys that have been solid all season long, along with Seth Martinez. They're posting up a sub-3 ERA. Will Smith, ever since he's gotten into town, hasn't been untrustworthy, which is a very good find for the team. Brian Rave, he's been able to do a solid job. And then for the Houston Astros, maybe deal with some ailments. Jordan Alvarez looks like he is now going to be back in the fold for the time being. 
for the Astros. But on top of that, you've got Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve, all providing at least 20 home runs for the team. Bregman has missed a few games himself, but he's been able to do a good job moving the line right around a 370 on base with Altuve more like a 375 on base. Jeremy Pena has been able to crank out 16 home runs. He was dealing with some injuries. He's back in the fold as he and the currently injured LMNDC has a safe switch off at the shortstop spot. And right around 250, Trey Boom Mancini. He's been able to 260. He's been able to supply some power for this Houston Astros team. And Christian Vasquez, the hitting catcher that they really needed, has been able to help out this bunch as well. Did wind up saying my total at 7.7? Like I said, I've only got 8s available to me. So at the current 8, I'd be taking a look at an under. I would personally rather have a 7.5 over because I do think the Glen Auto and that bullpen gives up some runs. Up. But at current numbers, we'll be looking at an under of 8 to go along with the run line of the Astros. 925-926 on the board. It is the LA Angels. They play us the Detroit Tigers as you've got Eduardo Rodriguez going for the Tigers and Mike Myers is on the bump for the Angels. Angels between a minus 142 and minus 145 favorite. Between plus 125 and plus 130, the number on Detroit. It is the total. The over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. I did want to say my total at a 7.8. Going to be taking a look at the under. When it comes to these West Coast ballparks, typically the air is quite heavy during the nighttime and it does not allow for too much home run power. And for Eduardo Rodriguez, since he wound up coming back from the team because he was dealing with injury and he was also dealing with some personal matters, hasn't been too bad. He got lit up in his last start against the Seattle Mariners, giving up six runs, five of which were in previous two starts. He had allowed one run against the Angels and the Texas Rangers. So, sorry, he got a good track record against this LA Angels team. And overall for the season, Eduardo Rodriguez has been able to keep the ball in the air, giving up one home run per nine innings. Walks have always been a factor for him. He led the American League in walks in 2019. His walks per nine rate this year, it's right around a four. So, a little bit of an issue. And then for Mike Myers, he's got some of the weirdest home and road splits that you're going to find because he just has a small sample size in general. He's pitched between 19 and 19 and third innings in both environments, but 931 home ERA compared to a 095 road ERA. Giving up 9 home runs in 19 and a third innings at home. That's not necessarily great. Now, the good news is these numbers should be going downward because he's facing off against a Detroit Tigers offense that has been historically bad on the road this season. They don't have a single player with more than 12 home runs this season as you've got Cody Clemens, Akil Badu, Jonathan Scope, Jameer Candelario, Spencer Torres, Torkelson. Oh boy, we're able to add in there Ryan Kreidler, Tucker Barnard, all these guys hitting at 222 or lower. It's been deplorable. You've been able to get a little bit more out of Riley Green. He's hitting at 255. And Javi Baez up to a 230 with 12 home runs this season. Whoop de doo. But it's been a really bad offense. And then for the LA Angels, you've got Mike Trout, Joe Otani, a combined 59 home runs. Both of these guys, along with Luis Ranifo, hitting between about a 260 to 265. Taylor Ward has been deplorable the last few months. Take a look at him over the last three days. He's now hitting at 230. Team, which is honestly better than what he was hitting the past 30 days prior to that. But, I mean, he has really went straight down the toilet bowl. Joe Adele, Max Dassey, Kurt Suzuki, Andrew Velasquez. These guys at the bottom ring at 225 or lower. That's not necessarily too tremendous. I will say the Angels, they're starting to find some guys that they're able to trust in in the bullpen. Andrew Watts, Jose Cuiata, Jimmy Harrigut. These guys are providing a sub-3-5 ERA. When you wind up getting into someone like Ryan Tapera, he's been okay as well. Aaron Loop has been in for a down season, but I do think that the Tigers provide a little bit of value with their bullpen as well, especially for the under, because these guys have been terrific. Jason Foley, Jose Cicerno, Andrew Chafin, 
throwing their Gregory Soto, the closer. These are guys providing a sub at 3-5 ERA. When you wind up getting into Daniel Norris, you know that things are in a little bit of trouble. But that said, with the Tigers, this won't take anything of a plus 116 or greater on them. Mike Myers has just been giving up the deep ball way too much. The Detroit Tigers stink on offense, but even they were able to hit Dallas Keuchel. And Mike Myers, he might be Dallas Keuchel 2.0 at home. We shall see. It's a very small sample size. Hopefully, we're able to find a good fade here. But I'm going to take the plus price of the Detroit Tigers, especially with the way that Rodriguez pitched against the Angels last time, and I do wind up saying my total at 7.8, so looking at the under as well, 927, 928 on the betting board, it is the Seattle Mariners, they play us the Chicago White Sox, Johnny Cueto goes for the Sox, and Logan Gilbert is on the bump for Seattle, Seattle is a minus 140 to a minus 145 favorite, between plus 125 and plus 130 is your number on Chicago, 7 is your total, overs between minus 115 and minus 120, the unders any between minus 105 and even money with the Mariners, was willing to go up to a minus 137 in terms of the money line, that takes us to the run line, which we're finding anywhere between about a plus 150 to a plus 152 and at current numbers, I'd be taking a look at the run line. I needed at least a plus 148. I'm going to see if this winds up going down any further, though, because the Mariners opened up a minus 160 favorite. They're down to right around a minus 140. They wound up having some very strange travel getting back from that Cleveland Guardian series. So if we wind up getting down to a minus 135, would rather have a minus 135 rather than this run line. But in some form or capacity, looks like I'm going to be on the Seattle Mariners in this spot. For Johnny Cueto, he's actually been significantly better on the road than at home this year. Buck 81 road ERA compared to a 390 ERA at home. He's given up nine home runs in 69 and a third innings at home on the road. Four bombs in 59 and two-thirds innings, and this is no question. A very pitcher-friendly ballpark. That should be able to help him out as he hasn't been giving up a lot of walks as well. Fewer than two walks per nine innings. Logan Gilbert, he's been a little bit up and down this season, but it feels like he's starting to find his watermark fly as he starts wanting giving up two runs over the course of 12 and a third innings. Wound up running into a rough patch where he was facing up against teams like the New York Yankees and company, so that did wind up hurting him a little bit, and his first start against the Chicago White Sox this season. One earned run, surrendered in five innings. He's actually been worse at home rather than on the road. 394 home ERA compared to a 295 ERA on the road. And when it comes to Logan Gilbert, very interesting splits. Against lefties, he's been able to dominate giving up a 205 average compared to a 281 against righties. And when it comes to this White Sox team, they always struggle against righties, against lefties. They just absolutely pound them. So I always think that that is something that needs to be taken into account when you take a look at White Sox games. As right now with the White Sox, they rank in the bottom six in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. But you do have guys that are doing a great job being able to move the line. Eloy Jimenez, Andrew Vaughn, along with Jose Abreu. These are guys that are all hitting at least a 280. And then Ronnie Gonzalez has been hitting nearly a 300 as well. Elvis Andrews. Ever since he's come back, he's been able to do a solid job since he got picked up. Luis Robert was back in the fold yesterday for the team. A double-digit amount of formers. He's hitting at 300. So you've got a lot of guys in the lineup that they do a good job of being able to move the line. And the White Sox, they rank in the top two in the American League in terms of batting average on the road. Meanwhile, for the Seattle Mariners, the offense has been a little bit touch and go. But you do have Ty France, who's been able to be a good table setter for the team. Hitting at 280. Mitch Hanniger had north of 30 home runs last season, being able to get his back in the fold. That is good. They need more guys with average as... Tyrone Trammell, along with Abraham Toro, Carlos Santana, Cal Raleigh. These are guys that are currently hitting a 220 or lower, but with Raleigh. He, along with Julio Rodriguez and Eugenio Suarez, of at least 21 home runs this season for Rodriguez and Suarez, both of these guys, right around about a 330 on base, and Rodriguez does a good job of being able to seal some bags, and for the Seattle Mariners, their big advantage is in the bullpen. Since the beginning of the month of June, best bullpen ERA in the big leagues, as Paul Sewald, Eric Swanson, Penn Murphy, all have been able to provide a sub-3 ERA this season. 
Diego Garcia wound up having like a 9 ERA after the first two months of the season and it's down to a 357. That's nothing short of remarkable. Matthew Fessa has been able to give this team some solid innings recently as well. And for the Chicago White Sox, Jimmy Lambert along with Reynaldo Lopez, failed starters who have been very solid in the bullpen. You've got Liam Hendricks. Kendall Graben as well doing a solid job in the 8th and ninth inning, but I also got Joe Kelly. He's got another 7 ERA, so I do think that that's going to be a little bit of an issue. Johnny Cueto, if you take a look at the advanced numbers, he's been quite a bit lucky on the road, so they wind up making the Seattle Mariners minus 136 on the money line. At current numbers, I'd be looking at the run line. How the line winds up moving is going to determine whether or not I wind up going money line or run line or A. If we wind up seeing like a 37 move on the Seattle Mariners, that would push me off of them as well. But this is also a case in which I do wind up saying my total a little bit closer to a 7.6. So going to be taking a look at the over on 7 to go along with Seattle in some form of capacity. We wrap things up with 929, 930 on the board of the Atlanta Braves. They throw to face off against the Oakland A's. Cole Irvin is going to be going for the A's and Kyle Wright. Hopefully we missed the right for Atlanta. 7 is the total. Over is minus 120. The under is even with Atlanta. Anywhere between minus 210 and minus 215 is your number between plus 180 and plus 195. The price on Oakland, if you're taking a look at the run line, going to be laying between a minus 125 to a minus 130 when it comes to the Atlanta Braves. And when it comes to the Atlanta Braves, I am willing to lay up to a minus 125 with them. I did wind up saying them minus 128 on the run line. This is an Oakland A's team that I would need at least plus $3 to be able to take a shot. And we could wind up getting to $2 and allow me to take a shot on Cole Irvin as Irvin has some very demonstrative home and road splits. This is someone that I wind up valuing more than your general pitcher when it comes to the amount that you wind up adding slash subtracting when you do wind up having a change of venue because with Cole Irvin, 7-11 record, 335 ERA overall, but here's what explains it. Buck 94 home ERA, 518 ERA on the road. He's given up 14 home runs in 64 and a third innings on the road. Oakland, a notoriously pitcher-friendly ballpark, especially at night when the Marine layer is out like it's going to be in this game. Four home runs allowed in 83 and a third innings with the opponent sitting about 90 points higher off of him when he's on the road. Kyle Wright, he's just been dominating everywhere. 17 and 5 record, 285 ERA, 282 home ERA, 290 road ERA. At home and on the road, he's given up right around one home run per nine innings in both of He's a little bit more on the road, but he's been able to do a nice job in the Atlanta Braves. They do back him up with a very solid bullpen. A.J. Minter, other than Sunday Night Baseball, he has been able to do a very solid job for this team. Tyler Mazek has been able to do a solid job. Kenley Jansen has blown a few run lines, but if you take a look at the overall numbers, he's posting up right around a 375 ERA. It could be better. It could be worse. Jackson Stevens is off the injured list. He's able to give the team multiple innings, and then when it comes to the Oakland A's, they've been dealing with some ailments of their own. Sam Mall, A.J. Puck, both of these guys have been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. You've got Domingo Acevedo's been posting up right around about a 360 ERA, but not having Denny Jimenez out there, that winds hurting them. Zach Jackson has been someone that's been dealing with an ailment. Joel Piams is someone that they picked up. He's been okay, but someone like a Norge Ruiz has been terrible, but good news is Cole Irvin, he's typically been able to go six plus innings at home, so that rules out some of the less than trustworthy relievers, but with the Oakland A's, this is just a less than trustworthy offense as they've currently got the lowest home batting average out there in the league because it is so pitcher-friendly for one and two, and you really don't have a lot of guys to be able to generate much for this team. Seth Brown along with Sean Murphy a combined 36 home runs between these two guys but for Sean Murphy he's right now hitting a 254 and among guys that have seen at the very minimum of 35 at bats 
for this team. He is the only one currently on the roster hitting above a 230. I mean, it's just been absolutely incredible what we've seen with this team all season long as guys like Vadiel Machin, along with Tony Kemp, Seth Brown, they just have not been able to consistently get on base for this team. And then for the Atlanta Braves, anything but the case for them. As Austin Riley, he had a little bit of a streak come to an end where he wound up having five home runs in six games and four straight. He has been absolutely incredible for this team as he, Michael Harris, the second, Nancy Swanson, only between about a 280 to a 300. You've got Vaughn Grisham, who's been able to train. Don't necessarily agree with Marcel Zuna being out there, but they have been utilizing him too much, which honestly, from a baseball perspective, is a good thing. We won't dive into the illegal things, but with Matt Olson, 27 home runs, he's been able to provide right around a 330 on base. He's been able to do a tremendous job for this bunch as well, so I do think that the Atlanta Braves should be a rather sizable favorite. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 125 in terms of this run line. Now, if we wind up getting north of $2 calling my names, I would be willing to take that on Oakland, so I'm going to be basing it a little bit on late night line movement as whether I wind up going run line of the Braves or money line of the Oakland A's, but that's where I'm going to be looking, and I did wind up taking an under as I set my total at 6.7. That will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. A big thanks to our good friend Jake Asman over there at 97.5 ESPN in Houston. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what I be for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way, it is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.